0: Welcome to Real Talk for Real Teachers. My name is Julie Rufo and I'm the Lead Content Specialist for Conscious Discipline. I've helped produce many of our products and have assisted Dr. Bailey in writing her best-selling books and curriculums for nearly 25 years now. My husband's a high school teacher and Conscious Discipline Certified Instructor, and we're raising our girls with Conscious Discipline with all the beautiful oopses and growth that comes with that parenting journey. For those of you who may be new to Conscious Discipline, Conscious Discipline is a trauma-responsive, brain-based, and evidence-backed approach. It provides a pathway to resiliency, sustainable change, and educational equity by integrating adult-first discipline, school culture, and social and emotional learning within a single methodology. In today's episode of Real Talk for Real Teachers, we'll be listening in to a conversation between Conscious Discipline Certified Instructor Jenny Spencer and Susan Loper. Susan has been an educator for 25 years. She also has a strong background as a gymnast, a dancer, and a coach. Right now, she's capitalizing on all those skills in her position as an educational specialist at a gymnastics and swim school in North Carolina. In this month's Real Talk, Susan tells us about using conscious discipline to infuse self-regulation and emotional awareness into her work with athletes. Let's join with Jenny and Susan now, and I'll be back to share more with you after their conversation. Join me for a
1: conversation with Susan Loper. So Susan, tell us a little bit about your journey with Conscious Discipline.
2: So I have been teaching for about 23 years. And about six years ago, I started learning about Conscious Discipline when I was a pre-K teacher in Alabama. And Jenny was my Conscious Discipline coach. Um, And so I've kind of just been learning as I go um, and just trying to live it the best that I can.
1: Okay, and so after being a teacher in Alabama and kind of getting started with your journey with Conscious Disciplines, tell us a little more about where you went from there.
2: So um, I've moved around a good bit with my family and most recently I moved to North Carolina to help out with um, with some other extended family. And um, I'm currently working as an education specialist at a gymnastics and swim school in North Carolina. Okay. And
1: this isn't the first time that you've worked with that program. You've kind of got a history with community athletics and um, coaching and kind of working in that field as well.
2: Right. So I grew up as a gymnast my whole life um, and a dancer. and. When I was in high school and college, I was a gymnastics coach, and it's kind of been a part of my life. It was a big part. Mm -hmm. So. So tell us a little more
1: about what the connection is for you with your experience with Conscious Discipline and coaching and teaching in, like, these community athletic programs.
2: So when I first got to the gymnastics and swim school this past summer, I was teaching some swim lessons and some gymnastics, and I was noticing... Um, that there's a lot of fear, especially in the water. On the, on the pool side, there were a lot of children that come to the pool afraid of the water or afraid to go under the water. And with my conscious discipline background, I was noticing that, wow, I can, I can help these kids. Um, you know, the, the training that they were giving us was telling us when someone got upset to just distract them and then move on to the next activity. And I knew that there was a better way. And so I was beginning to breathe with the children and helped them to learn how to calm and handle their fears so that they could then get the courage up on on their own to do the scary thing. So this
1: was quite a new learning curve for you because, you know, growing up, you know, you started very young um, as a, a dancer and a gymnast, being a participant in the type of program that you are now teaching. And the experiences that you had there were quite different than the experience you hope to give to children and families
2: now. Right. And one example is that I had to completely learn how to breathe, <laughs> honestly. So as a, a dancer and a gymnast, um, you're always taught to hold in your stomach at all, all the time. And so a deep breath for a, a, somebody in that position would be completely in their chest, you know, Um, You know, there was no such thing as a belly breath because you don't poke your belly out when you're a gymnast or a dancer. Um, So I had to learn how to do belly breaths and so that was part of it. And then also just learning how to um, handle, you know, learning how to handle my fears now, now that I know that I can handle them and work my way through them instead of just pretending they're not there and powering through to do the scary thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And so when when parents bring their children to you now for swimming lessons, a lot of times, um, you know, they may have even been in other programs or even other instructors within your program who've been um, taught to use distractions and other methods to try to get people or get the children to kind of conquer their fears. Um, what has been your experience as a coach when you do things differently?
2: So um, what's really nice when the parents are there, because if it's a class with the the itty-bitties, the parents are in the water with their children or in the gym with their children. And so in those situations, I'm able to, um, you know, coach the parent through the moment. You know, when they start to have their kid do something the kid doesn't want to do and the kid starts to get upset, you know, in the past, a lot of times, they just kind of force them through the activity and so now I'm able to, you know, coach them through, like just hold them to your chest. And the beauty of the pool is that it's skin to skin contact because everybody's wearing bathing suits. So they get that, you know, held to their chest and I just coach the parent through, just breathe deeply, let them feel your calm so that they can then calm down and then try again. And have you done anything else to coach parents as a part of your program? I have. I've done little things like I've put up signs over the changing table for parents and that I plan to change out monthly of just little tips of things like that, like, you know, when your child is upset, you can hold them to your chest and breathe deeply. I've got, um, I've done some staff training so that they kind of know what to do a little bit and I've put some other little signs up by the um, staff lo- uh, sign-in area. So that they can be reminded of, you know, little things like, you know, make sure you have commitment with your children, and make sure you um, have connection with your children, know all their names every day. And you know.
1: so, what would a commitment look like in a swim class?
2: Um, a commitment would could look like, you know, today I'm gonna I'm gonna be brave, and I'm gonna like let the water be poured on my head today, like for a child that's really afraid of going under. So maybe something like that, or or if they're going under a little bit, but they don't really want to, it might be, okay today I'm going to go under two times, something like that. And if
1: the kids now have this um, idea that I can work through these fears of you know putting my head under the water or doing things that I'm scared of, maybe jumping off the diving board or um, something like that. Uh, you know, rather than kind of forcing them to do it or um, you know talking them into it, uh, or do you ever have kids that just never do these things?
2: I mean, it just depends on the family. I've had I've had some that you know a week into it they're moving up to the next level, and then others that you know three months later they're still on, still afraid of getting wet. Um, and it just depends. It's just a case by case. You just
1: going at the pace of the child. Right. Yeah, and so you've mentioned that you have done some work more extensively sharing with other programs and that perhaps these are even skills that could, um, you know, speak to a more global community of coaches and teachers within um, community athletic programs. Uh, youth soccer leagues or um, you know, basketball leagues, some of those kinds of things, people who only have kids for a very short amount of time and how they can use the principles of conscious discipline to help them um, really create a healthier environment for the children in their care. So what have you done with that?
2: Right. So, I mean, it is true that in any of those situations, a lot of times you only see those kids once a week for maybe an hour or less even. Um, And so, you know, at at that time, it's very important. The connection part is very important. Like you should know every kid's name on your team and you should have a moment of a, a little fist bump or some sort of a little connection eye to eye. So, you teach them to really, um, as the kids get there,
1: to not just jump in and get started with the lesson or the warm up, but you want them to have that interaction, you know, making eye contact. And, um, you know, tell us a little more. If I was a coach and I was listening to you and, and gleaning from your wisdom, what would be maybe a couple of your top tips? Like, really paint a picture for me of where would I start?
2: I would say, again, start with a connection. I would say um, teach them breathing when when it, when it is a calm time so that you can use it later when they are getting upset. So tell me about a, a little bit more.
1: What do you mean by starting with a connection? Would that be the greetings, like as they arrive, or what would that look like in, in different kinds of programs?
2: I think just making sure, like, even if it's not as they arrive, just because sports are just so fluid and they come at different times and so but if you make sure that during the time that you're there you're playing a game where you're making sure you're using everybody's name and having them using each other's names in the game yeah
1: Um, so So even throughout like a high five when they do try something that they've done making eye contact with them and building that connection there or noticing what they did with their hand or with their arm um, as they were practicing their stroke
2: Right, and mm-hmm. that reminds me, I have a, that's one of the signs I just put up last week was a noticing, you know, encouraging staff to use noticing language instead of saying good one, you did it, say so your arms went like this, you're, you're, you pointed your toes that time, you know, make sure that they um, use very good, very explicit noticing language so that they'll get more of what they want. Okay.
1: All right. So if you were to give me like one golden nugget, like one big takeaway, something that um, for you was transformative, you know, even from the time you were a little girl that was a part of a program like this, and the coaching that you had, maybe some of the experiences you had then to where you are now. And, um, and the difference that conscious discipline has made in that what would be like a real nugget that you could take away that says, you know, this made a big difference for me.
2: For me, it would be being able to identify that I'm having a feeling and working my way through it instead of pretending that it's not there and plowing through. If, if you if that Tell me a little bit more sense. about that. Um, well, in, in, the, in the example of, you know, growing up in gymnastics, there were a lot of times when there would be a trick that I was supposed to be doing that was You know, I was certainly physically capable of doing and the coach had spotted me on it multiple times and I should be able to do it. And then the minute they step back, maybe away from the high balance beam, I would be terrified to do it, even though I had been doing it and should be able to. But, you know, in my head, I couldn't make myself do it. And now that I know about conscious discipline and how to identify with, I'm feeling scared, let me breathe through this and, you know, tell myself I'm safe keep breathing, I can handle this, then I feel like I would have been able to handle more. And so now, with the
1: skills you have because of conscious discipline, if you were Susan's coach when she was on that high beam and was struggling with that back handspring,
2: what exact steps
1: would you do with Susan?
2: Um, I would encourage her to, I would probably offer up a choice. Do you want to breathe like a balloon or a star right now? Like, <laughs> I would offer up a choice. So you'd start by breathing with her. I would, I would start by breathing. you just slow things slow down. Slow things down. Okay. Take a step back. Make sure that she got into her executive state so that the next time she attempted the skill, she was thinking clearly and could handle the
1: scary thing. So if you were to go back and be able to be the coach to Susan and um, or you know a new student that you get that comes into your gymnastics class who's on the high beam and struggling with uh, doing a skill that you know she can do like the back handspring um, but she's just stuck. What would you do differently now?
2: Um, I would describe what I see, and I would um, let her know, you know, it, it's, you look like you're afraid. Your, your body is telling me that you're afraid. Your face is telling me that you're, you're afraid of this. So let's step back, and let's, um, let's take a breath. And I would breathe with her. And then um, we would talk about, you know, I'm feeling scared, and acknowledge that she's feeling scared. And now let's, let's take another breath, and let's try again.
1: Okay, and do you, do you think that would have different results for you? Or do you think even if you, you couldn't complete the skill, even after that, and you still couldn't do it, would you feel differently about it?
2: I think I would definitely feel different about it. I think probably the skill would have gotten done, but even if it didn't, just the fact that we're acknowledging that I'm feeling scared and I need to work through this, it's, mm-hmm. it's huge. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I think that could be really helpful to lots of um, volunteer coaches even. Mm -hmm. You know, I know this is something you do for a living, but I know my husband has been a coach over the years with our children in the youth leagues for soccer and um, basketball and various things. And sometimes you get out there and you're faced with challenges Mm -hmm. from children who are scared or distracted or frustrated, whatever it is. And certainly the skills of conscious discipline could be helpful to coaches in any of those situations. So thank you for sharing your brilliance and your experience with us today.
0: All of us experience fear, and young athletes are particularly likely to encounter this big feeling, whether it shows up getting into a pool, performing in front of packed bleachers, or practicing a new stunt how powerful for young athletes to be able to identify their feelings and handle them in emotionally sound ways rather than distracting from them or denying they exist. With the Winter Olympics happening these past couple of weeks, we've really seen an increased focus on athletes' mental health. By using conscious discipline to teach emotional awareness and self-regulation, coaches and educators like Susan are not only helping athletes perform better in the moment, They're also equipping them with the skills they need for lifelong well-being and mental health. So let's review the key components. Deep belly breathing. When we're stressed, our breathing automatically changes to become more shallow. Plus, in some sports, like Susan said, holding your stomach tight is a necessary component. So we may need to retrain ourselves and our students to take those deep belly breaths to turn off the stress response. Noticing. Noticing is a conscious discipline skill in which we describe the child's actions without judgment. It sounds like this, your arms going like this, your face is going like this, something happened? It builds awareness and it helps create a connection in which the child truly feels seen. Connecting. Connection wires the brain for cooperation, impulse control, willingness, motivation, attention, empathy, and dozens of other factors that enhance well-being and performance. Basic connecting activities like name games and the shared rituals Susan mentioned help create bonds young athletes need to thrive both within their sport and in life. Thanks, Susan and Jenny, for sharing your experiences and expertise with us. So what has conscious discipline been up to? Well, we have an exciting and much-needed new two-day coming up April 4th and 5th. Anger and Rage Responding to Reactive Violence will explore the hows and whys behind anger and provide clear solutions and actionable plans, including a rage prevention and intervention program and a care room. In our current climate of low tolerance and high stress, this two-day with Dr. Bailey is a not-to-miss event. We're also celebrating Conscious Discipline's grand debut on TikTok. That's right, you can now see official Conscious Discipline content while you're scrolling dance moves, challenges, pranks, and life hacks. Follow us on TikTok and all your other social media platforms so you don't miss a thing. I hope you've enjoyed our time together today. Until next time, I wish you well. For more episodes of Real Talk with Real Teachers by Dr. Becky Bailey, visit ConsciousDiscipline.com forward slash podcasts. You can also
2: subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.